0: Hey everybody, welcome to the very first episode of OG Therapy. Now before I get started in the episode, I want to give a big shout out to the gentleman who said my disclaimer that you just heard that was over that cool beat, or at least I think the beat is cool. His name is Kenneth Scott. He's a young man that, like myself, used to be a former wide receiver at the University of Utah. I met him a long time ago when I was running social support groups for teenagers here in the local community through my nonprofit called Quit Trippin'. I remember a couple times he came out and he talked to the youth. He told them about the struggles that he was going through in his life, his current struggles, how he's dealing with those. We forged a relationship. One thing led to another. And I got a radio show late at night on the local ESPN uh, radio station, syndicate here in Salt Lake City. And I asked him to be my co-host. So he and I, for about a year and a half, we talked about difficult things that other celebrities, local celebrities, athletes, actors, musicians, Um, People that were a few people that have their own reality shows locally here in Utah and he was my co-host my right-hand man and I just want to give him a shout out because not only is he a great young man he's also now a great author he just published a book about his mom it's called 24 and this book is a collection of her journals that she wrote during her struggles with lupus and he comments on those, and you know, I just started reading it, but already it's a great read. On top of it, he's also uh, was he was also just chosen to give a TED talk in Dallas, Texas, in um, October. So I'm excited for that. And he's a great musician too. If you like rap music, great musician. So if you want to follow him on Instagram, it's K Scott underscore Two. He's a great family man. Got. Great family. Don't worry, there's nothing inappropriate on this young man's Instagram. He's all about hard work, his craft, his artistry, and he's just a great young man, like I said, but also a great father and a great friend. So today's episode, the first episode of OG Therapy, is a big thing for me. I've been waiting to do this for quite some time. But before I tell you exactly what this episode is and get into the episode, I want to explain to a few of you that may not know what OG actually means or stands for. So in the literal term, OG stands for original gangster. That's right, gangster. So this is a little, a little, uh, a little street, what I'm telling you right now. But um, in every neighborhood that there is a gang and um, you have gang members that have lived to an older age. The OG gang members are the original gangsters. Those are guys that maybe went to prison. Maybe they are shot. Um, and guys and girls, too. not just specific to guys. They're, they're people that have been there, done that. They live to tell the tale. But more importantly, they live to share the information of their experiences with their younger generation. OG is kind of a terminology that's more loosely used now for an older person that you respect, you look up to. But you respect and look up to them because they have went through difficult things They got out of those difficult things, and now they can be a beacon of great advice. They can tell you some things that no one else can tell you. But more importantly, it's how they tell you. In my own personal life, I had a couple OGs. Uh, My Uncle George, Molly Fua, was one of them. He was a gentleman that was a champion martial artist. He owned his own security company. He was basically the Samoan godfather of my hometown and my area in San Diego, California. He had this subtle, soft confidence about him. When he would give you advice or tell you uh, what you, he thinks you should do, it was always after he listened to you complain, and or at least for me, I'd complain, I'd moan, I'd say all these things that I didn't have control over, and he'd just calmly sit there and listen to me, and then out of nowhere, he'd start telling me a story, and he'd start telling me how he learned a lot from that story. Well, in that story, it was a very specific message, and then he would end with telling me something very direct, very honest, and look me right in the eyes. It was not out of anger. It was not like him looking at me like, you're a stupid young man, like, you should be smarter than this. No, it was smooth, it was subtle, it was clever, but it was very, very powerful. I trusted him. I asked him for advice because I knew when he was telling me something, it was not a joke. Even though he made a joke every now and then, he would joke around about this and that and the other to kind of soften the blow of whatever he was telling me, he never made it personal. He never made me feel stupid, but he always gave me the best advice It was calm, collected. And like I said, he was so chill under some of the most stressful situations. I always admired and looked up to him for that. And plus, as a young man, he was a tough guy. He he had a reputation for being able to handle tough, violent situations. But he didn't do it with puffing out his chest and telling everybody how tough he was and and how you better watch out. He was not the loud guy in the room. But when he walked in the room, you knew he was there. Everybody else, knew he was there. And a lot of people would separate, like, like, like the Red Sea would open up and they'd be like, oh, Uncle George. Like, okay. Like you started acting really respectful when Uncle George was in the room. And like I said, he deserved that respect. So this episode and this podcast right now that we're calling OG, it's under like the fight, but it's its own thing right now. Um, this, this episode and all the episodes after this is going to be me sharing with you what I call OG therapy. These are the things that I didn't learn in college and school. These are the things I learned from living tough experiences myself. A lot of the things I'll be sharing on this podcast are things that I struggle with, I went through. And so when I was telling my clients, when I was debating with them or trying to convince them or persuade them to make certain changes in their life, I would use my own personal knowledge and information to talk to them in a way that not only would they not feel like I'm attacking them or in a way that would make them defensive, It was in a way that said, hey, listen, I I respect you. I get what you're going through. I get it's hard. And you're kind of being an idiot. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And you know it. Now, I would never call my clients an idiot, but I'd give them that look like, really? Is that really what you want to say to your wife right now when she's stressed out in this situation? Is this the best way you think you should handle your kids? Or if I'm talking to teenagers, is, is this if you want your parents to help you out, you think it's good to come at them with this type of energy and talk to them like this? So when I tell people this type of approach and or these types of things, that was me being the OG, not the therapist. Hence the terminology OG therapy. So today, this is gonna go to all the fathers out there. Now, it may be shared by more mothers, but it's definitely for you dads. So I'm gonna tell you a little story. Now, these stories I'm gonna be sharing with you, these are true stories from clients that I worked with. Now, because I've had a very long career already, it's not gonna be something that, you know, it's not a current client I'm currently working with. This client is well aware that I will be talking about him. He is happy that I'm sharing this information with people because he knows it will help other people and he wish he would have heard something like this when he was going through that situation. So he told me if it's gonna benefit someone else, feel free. Now I'm not gonna use any names. I'm obviously not gonna change some of the details a little bit so that nobody knows exactly who I'm referring to in these stories. But trust me when I tell you, These stories are very real. And they also are relatable. This may not be your exact situation, but I'm pretty sure if you're listening to this, you'll be able to connect with this. Or maybe you know someone who might need uh, this information or could benefit from this information. So the story is with a man. Now, I was, like most of the, the couples I work with throughout the years, I usually would meet them because I was counseling their teenager or their kid. And then one day either the husband or the wife would come in and they'd say something like this. Hey, uh, Dave, um, I just wonder if uh you could answer a question for me. Like, sure, what's up? Well, and I got this friend and he's going through these difficult times and this guy started explaining to me you know, all these difficult times you, that was going on with this friend and his friend's wife. And I remember looking at him and I was like, well, uh, hmm. So this friend of, that you speak of, does this friend happen to drive a Ford F-150 lifted with this and that and this and that and parked right out front. He started to blush, put his head down. He's like, yeah, maybe, perhaps. <laughs> it's a little thing that I've, they've always seen with people is a lot of times when they're a little scared or nervous to ask for help themselves, sometimes people will be like, so I got this friend. Usually the friend is them. And in this case, it was this man. So he started telling me about how difficult his relationship was with his wife. And because I already knew his family, because I already knew his kids, um, he just wanted to ask me my opinion on it. Well, he went into this long description about how unfair his wife is and how mean his wife is and how his wife doesn't ever do things that he wants her to do. That his wife and his kids don't respect him. They don't treat him the way he wants to be treated. And he feels like he's just an ATM machine he's just a bank account. He basically was kind of describing, uh, if you've ever watched married with children, uh, Al Bundy, he was basically describing Al Bundy, not entirely Al Bundy, but you know, a lot of those feelings. If you've ever watched that TV show where Al Bundy just sat there numb on the couch, just giving his wife and kids money. Like he was just numb to, to the whole relationship and felt like he was being taken advantage of. So I listened to him and I said, okay, well, uh, all right, well, uh, why now? Like, why are you bring this to me now? And he started to say, well, you know, my wife caught me looking at pornography. And he quickly explained how it was her fault that he was looking at pornography. And I was like, huh, this is interesting. So it's her fault, huh? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he'd tell me all these horrible things. Like, she didn't have sex with him three or four times a week like he wanted to. She uh, wasn't doing all these different types of things that he said, you know, ex-girlfriends did for him and, and made him feel amazing. And, and you know, he, he would, he'd really go and exclaim all these women that he worked with that they would tell him, oh, my gosh, your wife is so lucky. I wish I had a man like that, that, you know, you work so hard, you do this, you do this, you do that, whatever. He'd tell me how everybody loves him except his wife and his kids don't respect him. And so I heard him out. I said, yeah, of course I'll be happy to help you out with this. I I do need to talk to your wife, though, because I'm pretty sure she's going to have her version of the story. He's like, well, yeah, I told her I was going to come in and talk to you today. And, yeah, you go ahead and talk with her. So I talked with the wife. She gave me her side of the story. Obviously, her side of the story was much different. She told me things like, he comes home grumpy, irritable, upset. When he walks in the door, he starts screaming, barking at orders. Why isn't the house clean? Why isn't that done? How can you do the homework? And then he started interrogating her. And he's like, I work too hard. I come home and nothing's clean. Nothing's at blah, blah, blah. And he would say, if you guys don't clean the house, if you guys don't do this and that, whatever, well, then don't be surprised if I'm mad, I'm angry and yell at you all the time. He really wanted people to bend the knee and do what he wanted them to do. And if they didn't do those things, well, then he thought it's only fair that he yells at them. That's fair. If he didn't do his job at work, then he'd get yelled at. So they deserve to be yelled at too. Now, there's a lot more to it than that, but I started talking with them. I started meeting with them as a couple outside of just meeting with their their son. And we had about meetings for about a month back and forth. We do a combination, meet with her, meet with him, meet with them together. And I started giving some suggestions. And I told them one day, I said, here's what I want you to do. I said, not that this is fair, this is right or wrong. But I think it'd be really good for you to take my suggestions and you go first. So I want you to do a few things. And then if you do these things, you will give your wife the one thing she's been waiting for and the one thing she's been wanting. And then if you do those things for her, she will reciprocate and she will start giving you the one thing that you've always been needing and the one thing that you've always been wanting. Now, people come to me and they tell me their complaints and they tell me what their problems are, but they have a hard time sometimes really articulating it. And so I shared it for them, and they both agreed. The wife, like every other wife I've ever talked to, every girlfriend in a serious relationship, she wanted to feel emotionally safe and secure. Now, that's going to be different for everyone. She went in a description of in what ways she wanted to feel emotionally safe and secure. And then I told him, I said, every husband I've ever talked to, they want their wives' admiration. Now, that's a big umbrella. Underneath admiration is respect. But there's also this thing called attaboys, benefit of the doubt. He wanted his wife to give him the benefit of the doubt if he made a mistake. Or in this case, because she caught him looking at pornography, he wanted her to give him the benefit of the doubt that he wasn't looking at pornography because he was addicted to it, that he had a really bad problem with it. It was just that he was too horny. He wanted more sex. She wasn't happy with him. And so he had to he had to somehow take care of that because it was too much tension for him and he works too hard to come home and his wife not want to be intimate with him. So I started getting suggestions. And like many men, not all men, because this is not a men ba- man bashing podcast. I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that you know, he was a horrible guy. I liked the guy. In fact, I liked him a lot. He's a good guy. He and I had a lot in common. And he wasn't really putting together what exactly I was asking him. I wanted him to make his wife feel emotionally safe and secure first. And if he did that, then she could check off the box. I got to worry about my husband. I don't have to worry about him. He's got my back. We're together. Now I can put all my energy and efforts into the kids. And when she felt she was giving her best to the kids, she could check a box. I'm a good mom. And that was an important box for her to check. When she had to worry about her husband, when she was stressed and fighting with him and, he was being his normal, you know, very uh, prideful, stubborn ways, in which he admitted he was prideful and stubborn, then she wouldn't give her best to the kids. In fact, she was tired. She wouldn't help the kids with their homework. She wouldn't cook them good meals. And then she started feeling horrible because she couldn't focus on the kids because their relationship was out of balance. So after a couple different weeks and about a month goes by, I'm telling him, giving him these suggestions. He was resistant. And he wanted to argue with me and tell me, this isn't fair, this isn't fair. Well, you know, how come I have to go first? I'm like, well, in the streets, if one, person's want, if one person wants the other person respect them, and then the other person wants the other person to respect them, I always say, who's going to go first? I suggested him to go first because he wanted to be the leader of this family. He wanted people to take him serious. He wanted people to follow him. I said, well, then you got to go first. He said, fine. But he wouldn't do what I suggested him to do. After about a month and a half goes by, he comes in, again, same pity party. He would tell me every single time, complain, complain, complain about my wife. I talked to his wife. She actually wasn't complaining much about him. She was like, man, like... I, I, I just want him to give an effort. Like I, I want to let go of this resentment. She was actually taking the higher ground. She's being more mentally and emotionally mature. She wasn't picking fights with him. She was trying to appease him. In fact, she was pretty much the one walking on eggshells around him. He wasn't walking on eggshells around her. He wasn't being careful with his words or anything. So finally one day, he came in, giving me the exact same complaints, everything. And because I'm a guy, and because I sat there and going, yeah, man, that must be really rough for you that you know, she doesn't do all these things you want. He thought I was agreeing with him. When in actuality, I wasn't agreeing with him. I was being agreeable. I was going along with it because I knew he had to get all the poison out of the building. He was in this victim mode and he felt it was the tyranny of his wife and, and all these other women at his job, like they were so much nicer to him and he just feels like if they tre- if his wife treated him like those women at work did, then he would be a better man. But until she changed her behavior He was not willing to change his ignorance and his stubbornness and being a jerk when he came home because he felt that was his right. So he comes in one day, and I figured, you know what? I'm pretty sure I got enough uh, credit with him. I've listened to him complain enough. I've listened to him and all these things. I showed deep concern, and and I've been trying to help. But at this particular point, I needed to leverage my relationship with him, and I need to have a little conversation with him that I knew Because of his personality, it was going to turn into a debate. A little bit of a disagreement or argument. And I was very well equipped and prepared for this discussion. So it started out a little something like this. He comes in, he's complaining, he's saying this and that and the other. So I said, okay, you know, you've been saying pretty much the same thing every week for about a month and a half now. So let me get this straight. I'm telling you to do X, Y, and Z to make your wife feel emotionally safe and secure when you come home. And you keep on having these reasons why you can't do that, right? Your pride, your ego, she's not giving you what you want, so you're not going to do it for her. And he kept on talking about divorce. Maybe that's the answer. You know, maybe they just weren't meant to be together. And he started, like, fantasizing about other women from the past, about how much they treated him better. And he was one of those guys that was like, the grass on the other side wasn't greener, it was 4K. It was palm trees blowing in the wind, hula dancers giving him massages and bowing and rubbing his feet, saying, oh, you are such amazing. You work so hard every day. You deserve to be treated like a king, feed him grapes, having sex with him all day long. I don't know exactly what he was thinking, but it sounded to me like he's in some la-la land. So I finally said, you know what? So I've been listening to you. Can I say something to you? He goes, sure. Sure. I said, uh, you're going down a dangerous path, man. You're not looking for a way to make this relationship better. You're coming to me looking for validation for you to get out of this relationship or to not have to try. I feel like you came here because you wanted me to tell you how horrible your wife was. Well, guess what? I didn't seek you out. You sought me out. You asked me for help. But when I tell you what I want you to do, you're not willing to do any of those things. And he started to go on and on. and go, hold on a second. I'll let you talk. Let me have a second now. I said, you talk about getting a divorce and maybe that's the only answer. And you keep on entertaining these thoughts, but you're not doing what I'm suggesting. So I'm going to tell you, man, you're on a slippery slope. You keep on talking to those girls at work. You keep on having these, what I was calling an emotional affair with multiple women, anyone that would listen to a sob story. He'd tell about how horrible his wife was and these women would be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's, she doesn't, she doesn't do all these amazing things for you. You're such a great guy. And it started puffing up his ego. And I said, you know what? I go, you think divorce is a way out, right? I said, trust me, man. It's a whole different ballgame. See, he had been married and divorced before. He had a child with someone else. He'd paid alimony. He'd been doing all that stuff and he always complained. He complained about his ex and his current wife. And so in this conversation, he got heated and he wanted to argue with me. He goes, finally goes, I work too hard. I put the food on this table, put a roof over their head, and I deserve respect. I said, you know what you're telling me? You're telling me you want a trophy for stuff you're supposed to do. Nobody gives me a medal because I go to work every day and I come home. Right? You're supposed to work hard. You're supposed to be a good dad. You're supposed to put food on the table. Let's not pat ourselves on the back for stuff that's just part of the job description. And if you want it fair, why'd you get married and have kids? What about having kids and being married is fair? No, it's a partnership. Sometimes you give a little, sometimes you take a little, right? But it's figuring out a partnership. And I warned him, I said, if you continue down this behavior, you are going to end up cheating on your wife, having one of these girls as a side chick, having this total separate life, living under stress and anxiety, you're going to get caught someday, and your pornography addiction ain't helping with it. Yeah, I said you're addicted to pornography because you keep on saying, I only look at it every now and then. Oh, once a week. Once every other day. Come and find, he's looking at, like, at work sometimes. Like, this was getting out of control. So I said, I know you may not like what I'm saying to you, but I care about you. I care about your wife, care about your family. And I know that you don't have good male friends that can be honest with you and talk to you like this, man. Well, he was like, knew I had a point. I told him it's a whole lot easier to get a new job than to get his new family. You talk about like, you know, you want this different lifestyle. Well, yeah, you're working hard. But what if you stopped working so hard? He said he'd lose his job. And that's why I told him it's easier to get a job than to get a new family. What if you cheated on your wife? What if you had an affair and like a real like relationship with another woman? Because that's what I thought he was going down that path. It seemed pretty obvious to me. I said, you've already paid child support. Well, you think paid child support for two different families is going to be easier? And he was a guy that was a penny pincher. He didn't want to spend money. So he was like, he couldn't win this argument and debate. He couldn't have any exit strategy for his victim mentality and in his, and his situation. I wasn't showing up to the pity party that day. Didn't see him for six months. The Wife came in. She said, well, he's not happy with you. He said that you're rude to him. He said this and that and the other. And I said, oh, I go, I'm sorry. Should I send him a card? She laughed. She said, no, I loved it. Because I know that you wouldn't say the things that he said you said. Because he obviously elaborated and made it to sound like I was being really mean to him, right? When I was just being direct and honest and candid with him. Six months later, I get a phone call. Lays a voice message in tears, crying. Can I come see you? I said, absolutely. He comes in. He apologizes. He said, Dave, how did you know? I go, know what? How did you know that I was going to have an emotional affair with the girl at work and started talking to her and then started meeting her at hotel rooms and, and started having this relationship with her. For the past six months, I started having this relationship with this girl and my whole entire life fell apart, the anxiety, this and that. And finally, my wife caught me and I just broke down and admitted to it. I couldn't keep the secret anymore. I was like, how did you know it was going to happen? <laughs> I was like, lucky guess. All the- you were the only person that didn't know. I was the only person that you were being really honest with and I listened to you. And when I took my chance to warn you and tell you, I wasn't warning you because I wanted you to do those things. I was warning you because you were on the track to do those things because you're not the first person to ever talked to that gets caught up in those ways that you can justify doing things you never imagined that you would do. So he was cheated on by other people in the past. He swore he would never do that, but yep. he did that. And he didn't, it wasn't like a one night stand, it wasn't like he got drunk one night, not that that would be like a justification. He actually had a relationship with this girl. That was the biggest thing for his wife when we started counseling said he told the girl he loved her. He felt he was in love with this girl when after he got caught and after everything came to, this, to the surface and they came in to see me and he was crying, it was like some spell wore off. And his kids found out. Everybody looked at him like, we don't care what you did in the past. You could have been a multimillionaire. You could have done, bought us tons of houses and cars. We don't respect you, Dad. You screwed up. So, for about a year, had some hard discussions and counseling. Oh, he took my advice then. He tucked his tail, shut his mouth, and became way more humble. But it was at a big cost. Finally, when it was all said and done, he remembered and he started practicing what I'd told him. Go first. Make your wife feel emotionally safe and secure. And man, it was hard from the first couple months. He's like, I want to do it, but she still doesn't trust me. It's been six weeks now. I was like, yeah. That's why I was warning you, man. You can't just undo what you did. You can't just pretend like, oh, I feel better now. I'm not going to be ignorant. I want to change my ways. Please forgive me. And it works like that. doesn't work like that. For about a year to a year and a half, met with them. They decided to stay. Well, she decided to stay with him. To this day, they're doing a lot better, but it still haunts her and it still haunts him. He's not proud of what he did. He's very ashamed of it. It was a huge, huge wake up call for this guy. I'm proud of him that he didn't throw in the towel and give up because he wanted to give up because he's like, she's never going to forgive me. She's never going to forgive me. I'm just going to take my life. I'm going to get a divorce. Like he had crazy wild thoughts and I get it, but I kept on telling him, no. Don't tell her. Do you want to still be marriage to me or not? Do you want to do this? He was always asking her, what do you want? I'm like, no, no, no. She didn't want this in the first place, dude. You can't say, you tell me what you want to do with the marriage. I was telling him, you do what you should have been doing the whole entire time and then see what happens. See where, see where the cards fall where they may. Just see what happens. With no guarantee that she's going to want you back, he put all of the effort into it. He quit with the excuses and they were able to salvage their relationship. Their relationship is much better. The wife wouldn't say that And he wouldn't say that they're glad it went through that. But she said if it wasn't for that, he would still be the same person. And they would have had to get a divorce because she was at her wit's end, too. It wasn't like he was the only one. She could have went and cheated on him. Heck, it would have been a whole lot easier for her to cheat on him. He was always critical of like, oh, you've gotten out of shape since we've got married. You know, you, you don't ever do these things to try to be sexual and stuff like that. And in that conversation, I looked at him. I go, dude, have you ever looked in the mirror lately? I saw your wedding pictures, man. You don't look like the same guy. You put on about 180 pounds since then. Yeah, I'm talking to you. I had to be direct with him. He was making fun of his wife that she was overweight and she would all this stuff. I'm like, who are you talking about, man? It was one of those moments. If you ever had those conversations with your friends, you're like, listen, to am going, do they not know what they're saying is them? Like you're describing your own flaws, your own errors. And it's interesting how he's willing to pick apart her, but he wasn't willing to put it on himself. And I can tell you from a guy who's gone through lots of therapy and counseling with my wife and personal therapy throughout the years, that's hard to do. And I get why guys, especially men, with our prides and our egos, why we wouldn't want to do that. And if we don't make our wives, our kids, feel emotionally safe and secure, they're never going to tell us what's really going on. We're not going to be a trusted person in their life. They're going to keep the important information that we would need to know to help them from us because they don't trust that we can handle the truth. They don't trust that... We really care about them. So as he's made it a point, like many of the men I've worked with, to make their wives and their thoughts, feelings, and opinions, and their kids' thoughts, feelings, and opinions a priority to them, to make them feel emotionally safe and secure, not just for a week, not just for two weeks, but to make that the priority in their life, they've all reported the same thing. Their wives gave them the admiration that they wanted. Interesting enough, his need for sex three or four times a week minimized to a realistic sexual relationship because I can tell you after that happened, she didn't have sex for, for, for a long time. So he was complaining, oh, I only get sex once a week. Oh, now he had bigger issues. Months, right? So he didn't need it as much and she was able to feel safe and secure and that was able to transition to they could actually be intimate together and she wanted to be intimate with him. Instead of just being intimate with him, just to appease him or get him to shut up because he was whining, complaining all the time. By the way, guys that are listening to this, nobody wants that kind of sex. Nobody wants their partner to give them the sympathy, lovemaking. It feels horrible. Every guy I've talked to, they say when their wives do that, they're like, man, I wish you wouldn't have had sex with me at all. I'm like, well, you're the one begging for it all the time. And also, too, because this guy wasn't in the best shape, he said, man, I, it's going to take me for a long time to get back in shape. I said, yeah, but you know what doesn't take you a long time is to make her feel emotionally safe and secure. Your wife doesn't need you to have an eight-pack or six-pack and to be some super stud and, and have all these great things going for you physically. But if you make her feel good, she will be appreciative of that. And once she shows you that appreciation, your intimacy, your lovemaking, or just your flirtation, you know all those types of things that are good for a healthy relationship, that'll come back online. And sure enough, it did. But he had to take a long path to get there. So what I'm telling all you guys out there in this OG therapy episode, what are the things that you need to do to make your wife and your kids feel emotionally safe and secure and do that? I can give you a hint though. If you listen to their thoughts, feelings, needs and opinions and you ask for them, you don't sit there and go, all right, tell me what you want me to do. You're like, no, I really want to know what makes you tick, what's important to you because I want to help you out with those things. Believing, not asking like, once I help you out with that, you better give me what I want. That's not how it works. People that love you and care about you and that feel that you put effort towards them, they want to repay the favor. They're doing it because they want to do it, not because they're tricked or because you made a special deal with them. And after all these guys I've talked to throughout the years with this type of approach, have taken my advice, have done that, they tell me, they had asked me, David, how did you know about this? I said, because I had to do it and I had to find out the hard way. I had to shut my mouth. Quit taking everything so personal because I got so many mommy issues. Well, not now so much, but when I first got married to my wife, I had so many mommy issues. Every time she'd get mad at me or yell at me, I'd go sleep upstairs, hurt back on the couch, and I'd be like, see, my back hurts because she's so mean. Come to find out, I wasn't trying to pay attention to what she needed. I was only thinking she's not giving me what I needed. Someone's got to go first. Go first. Make your wife and your kids feel emotionally safe and secure. Figure out what exactly they need. Put in that effort and work. Be consistent. And then you're going to get the admiration. They're going to look at you like the hero that you've always wanted to be. Your wife's going to brag to to her girlfriends and her family like, oh my gosh, she's so amazing. He does these things for me. And you're going to be knowing what your wife needs when she needs it because you're in tune with her. And then she's going to give you the attaboys. She's going to compliment you. She's going to tell you she's sorry for snapping at you the night before. My wife does that all the time now. And I'm like, can I record this? I would have never thought my wife would apologize to me because she and I are both a little a little on the alpha side, come to find out I make her feel emotionally safe and secure. She wants to repay the good favor because she doesn't have only one box that she wants to check every day. And the box I'm referring to is I'm a good mother. She has other boxes. And one of those important boxes for my wife and every wife I've ever met out there is she wants to check a box that says I'm a good wife. It's important to our wives to be good wives. How can they be a good wife for us If they don't feel emotionally safe and secure and know that we have their back and they don't have to worry about our dummies, they don't have to worry about our stupid stuff. If we grow up and mature on our point, help them out, then they're going to turn back around like, I didn't have to waste energy worrying about you being stupid. Come here, what do you need? You need a neck massage? You want me to make you dinner? It is amazing that feeling of your wife doing those things because she wants to do it instead of she just has to do it. Well, you guys, hopefully you enjoyed the very first episode of OG therapy